Hello and welcome to Brom Show. This is Brom. It's great to be back with you. We are in the middle of the series, Great Works. So this next book in our series is an interesting one. As a matter of fact, we used to read it to our kids when they were smaller and uh, our kids still talk about it today. This book was written in 1945 and stands the test of time. It's one of those books that you can read to a five-year-old and they will be enraptured and yet a 45-year-old can sit down and read it and still see the vivid detail as it gives commentary on society. And not only the society that it was specifically writing about, this one happens to be Russia and the Russian Revolution, but also society in general. If you haven't guessed so far, today we are talking about Animal Farm, written by George Orwell. Now, if you happen to be one of the poor souls that has never read Animal Farm, I encourage you, go out and get one. It's one of those books that uh, was given to me, and then I bought, and uh, then I think I ended up buying again, gave it away. I've probably given two or three of them away, and uh, it's just a great read. But for those of you that have never had the privilege to read it, let me give you a quick summary, and then we will break it down. So the story starts with a farmer that is lazy and does not take care of his animals. He is abusive. He's basically a drunk, and he runs roughshod over his animals. And there is one elderly pig that stands up and makes a decree stating that, hey, we're not being treated right. We should all be treated equally. We should all be treated great. Let's overthrow the man, the human being. Eventually, within just a short while after this speech that all the animals listen to, this pig dies. Now, upon his death, two pigs come up, uh, Snowball and Napoleon. The two pigs come up and they take the reins of this uprising. And the time comes where the farmer just refuses, he just doesn't do his job, and these two pigs force a revolt, and they overthrow the farmer. And now that the farmer has been overthrown, the next thing is they've got to set up their own government. And so they set up seven simple commandments, seven simple rules, and those are Whatever goes upon two legs is an enemy. Whatever goes upon four legs or has wings is a friend. No animal shall wear clothes. No animal shall sleep in a bed. No animal shall drink alcohol. No animal shall kill any other animal. All animals are equal. Now, because of the pig's superior intellect, they figure that the pigs ought to have the control. They ought to be the leaders of this new revolution, this new power structure. And over the course of time, we see where the pigs become elevated so that they've got more income while the rest of the animals on the farm are basically being starved. And the roles that the pigs play are always the supervisors and never the laborers. And eventually, during all of this, Snowball is chased out of the new nation or the new farm. He's chased out of the new farm, and Napoleon is the dictator. He has got full control, 
and some other changes begin to happen. They notice that uh, some of the rules, the commandments, have slight adjustments. For instance, all animals are equal has now become all animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others. And no animal shall drink alcohol has become no animal shall drink alcohol to excess. And another one, another one would be no animal shall sleep in a bed has become no animal shall sleep in a bed with sheets. Now, just so that you know, there is only one animal that is uh, drinking alcohol. There's only one animal that's sleeping in a bed. There's only one animal that they are saying is more equal than all the other animals, and that is the pig. And remember the first commandment, whatever goes upon two legs is an enemy. However, when you get towards the very end of the book, we see that the other animals are looking into the windows of the farmer's house, which now that's where the pigs live. And what they see when they look in the window are the pigs playing cards with men. And the pigs are, well, they've got two legs, just like the other farmers. And they are standing upright. And uh, so whatever goes upon two legs is an enemy. So the pig has become the enemy. This book is only 141 pages. It's an amazing, a great read. But now let's take just a moment and break it down into our lives and our nation. Just before we do that, let me pause real quick, make sure you understand. This is actually a book written about the Soviet Revolution. However, there are so many similarities between the Soviet Revolution and what we're seeing today in our American culture it's remarkable. So we're going to spend just a little bit and talk about our American culture. So every couple years, we have a politician or we have a bunch of politicians that will rage against the machine. They're going to come out and talk about how the government has just let us down. For instance, they tell us that we've got to defund Planned Parenthood. We've got to lower taxes. We've got to deregulate and get the government off the backs of the average citizen. And yet, so we vote for these people, we get them into office, and the first thing they do is immediately forget every campaign promise that they made us. So let's focus on just one of those for, for a moment, if you will. A few years ago, we had several Republicans running on the campaign promised that they were going to defund Planned Parenthood, the biggest abortion provider in the nation. This was their mantra. They were going to defund. We've got to get Republicans in the House, in the Senate, and in the White House. And so what did we as sheep do? But we put them in. They had the White House, they had the Senate, and they had the House of Representatives. And what was the first thing they did? Immediately with their next funding bill, refunded again Planned Parenthood and kicked it down the road. We are now four years down the road and it's still being funded to this day. Now, why do they do that? I can give you one for instance. It's a great strategy to get reelection because there's no way a pro-life voter is going to vote for somebody that is pro-abortion. And so you can run on that 
forever, especially as long as Planned Parenthood is still on the table. So you don't want to ever get rid of it. You want to keep it on the table so that you can continue to go to your constituents and say, vote for me so that we can get rid of it, and then never actually do it. Never get rid of it. Keep it there forever. Let's talk again, for uh, for instance, about the more... Uh, some animals are, or all animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others. So during this... Uh, corona lockdown, we have seen our governors, we have seen our mayors, we have seen our congresspeople, we have seen senators while they're out getting haircuts, but don't you dare. They're out at restaurants eating, but don't you dare. They are more equal than you. So eventually, the same people that you voted in become just like the same people that you voted out. Now, there are some other side stories that are all intermingled within Animal Farm that I wasn't able to mention before. Let me go ahead and mention at least one of those. There's a horse by the name of Boxer in this book. And Boxer is a strong horse. He is a worker. Above all else, he is a worker. And they've decided they want to build a windmill. And Boxer is, uh, I mean, he's a go-getter. He sees the vision. He's going to work his tail off to get this done. And he goes out there and he works. And he works. But a uh, travesty comes. In the middle of all that, a storm comes and totally destroys the windmill. And so that he's got to start all over. But his heart is still in it. And so he gets out there and he works again. And he works and he works. And then they are attacked. And the windmill is destroyed a second time. And he goes out there and his heart's still in it. And he works and he works. But now he's getting older and his body is becoming a little more frail. And he gets sick. And so they decide that they're going to send him to uh, get better. After all, they've got a way for the elderly people to be taken care of. They've got their own version of social security and Medicare. And so they take Boxer and they put him in this truck and they begin to head off. But as the animals look at the truck as it's driving away, they realize that it is a truck that has the name of a local glue factory on the back of it. And they realize that Boxer is about to be put down. Of course, that is not what they are told by the pigs. They are told by the pigs that this is uh, that he's he's going to the hospital. He's going to get the best treatment possible. And in the course of time, they come back and tell the animals that Boxer has passed away uh, of natural causes, and it, it was peaceful. He was in his sleep when it happened. Does this remind anybody of what Obama said with that one question with Obamacare? with the Affordable Care Act, his response was, well, you know, sometimes you just got to give them a pill. Uh, you know, the, the question was, you know, my grandmother is 101 years old. Uh, would Obamacare be, would she be able to get a new heart if she needed? And his response was, well, basically, just give her a pill and let her die. Uh, that's pretty much what this was. His response to the 101-year-old woman is the same as Napoleon's response with with Boxer. And so today, if we the people will peer up through the window into the dining room of our representatives, whether they be our governors like King Abbott or uh, King Newsom 
or uh, King Cuomo, and we peer up over King Biden, Queen uh, Harris, we peer up over the window and we can see that the ones we voted in, the ones that got our support, because they told us they were going to be different. They told us that they saw things the way we saw them. They gave us a great representation. They gave us what we wanted. And we peer up over the window seal and look in and see that they are playing with our adversaries and they look just like our adversaries. They look like the same people we put them in to get rid of. As a general rule, in the past, I have not been pro-term limits. That has not been one of my mantras. I've heard others, and I recognize, you know, after Roosevelt, sure, it kind of makes sense. But I've not been a great proponent for it. Because, you know, you've got some politicians that just stand out, and you want them in there again and again and again. I can give you some names, but I'm trying to stay just in ideas. So having stated that, I have to also say that Animal Farm forces me to make that other consideration. That maybe, just maybe, that power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And there does come a time where we need citizen representatives. And in order to have citizen representatives, maybe we just need term limits to get them out so that we can get others in there that look, think, and act like we do so that we can get rid of the pigs and get them out of the trough. Because, right, some of these, some of these are going in as bartenders, but they're coming out as millionaires. So maybe term limits might help. I don't think it will solve the total issue and the total problem. But I think I can unequivocally say I do know what one of the answers is not. And that is to just replace the face of one tyrant with the face of another. To remove Castro, to put in Stalin, that's not the answer. And so to that phrase, all animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others, we all ought to say hogwash, <laughs> fooey, baloney. And maybe, just maybe, it's time to let the trough dry up so that the pigs can no longer eat at our expense. And that's my thought on Animal Farm. And we are out of here.